The number one issue among voters was the economy. So then how the hell did they re-elect Barack Obama to a second term? It's not all bad news, though. Colorado legalizes marijuana. And with the next four years in store, I think we're going to need it. Blaze up. It's November 7th, 2012. He's been shunned by commercial radio. Unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America. And running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. For Barack Obama, exactly what was the selling point for you? Was it the record debt and deficit spending? The high unemployment? The broken promises? Was it the bad foreign policy? Benghazi? The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan? The continuation thereof? What exactly was it that got you to step into that voting booth and vote for Barack Obama? Or was it simply the fact that, hey, he's not Mitt Romney? A lot of questions I'm wondering about, that's for sure. I really wonder what's going on if the number one issue among voters is the economy and the guy that's responsible for the single largest debt increase in any presidential term in office is the incumbent. And then people re-elect that guy. I mean, what does it say? Does it say that maybe that really wasn't the number one issue for people? I think it is. I just think that it says a lot about the competition. Welcome in. It is the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Here we go. Another episode underway. Contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And MichaelGroff.com for everything Michael Groff related, including listening to this broadcast. You can always post your feedback on this or any other podcast. And of course, donate to this program. That is, of course, the one and only MichaelGroff.com. I've just about taken the skin right off of my scalp from scratching my head so much at these election results, both locally and nationally, over the last 17 hours or so, ever since Barack Obama won his second term officially. Unlike some people in the media and the punditry out there, the talk radio circuits, etc., I am not completely blown away or floored by the results of this election per se. However, when voters identify the economy as the most important issue by a two-to-one margin... And then I look at the president, 
that has been in office for the last four years and presided over the single largest debt increase in the history of the United States in any single term of a president. I am just a little bit shocked that people would go out and summarily reelect that person. It's definitely a bit of a puzzler. But I wonder, and I know I get accused of this often when talking about sports teams, but I wonder if it's an issue of Barack Obama winning the election or was it more a function of how was it that Mitt Romney lost the election? Because if you believe the polls, and that's always a dangerous thing to do, Mitt Romney had the momentum going into the final weekend before Election Day, even on Monday and Tuesday, and then the exit polls it was all very tight. You just have to wonder how it is that Mitt Romney then was able to lose this thing. And historically speaking, all of the numbers, all of the data, the statistics were on Mitt Romney's side. Going back to 1992, there was a recession, a mini recession going on. Bill Clinton came out and said, it's the economy, stupid. And people voted against George H.W. Bush for a second term. So he was out. 1980, Jimmy Carter had a terrible recession going on. He had terrible foreign policy. And Ronald Reagan stepped in and boom, the American people overwhelmingly elected Ronald Reagan. 1932, Herbert Hoover was kicked right on out of office because that was the start of the Great Depression. 1929, the stock market crash and then terrible times from that point till 1932 and the American people booted out Herbert Hoover. Fast forward to 2012, unemployment is near 8% and the real unemployment number, as we all know, is well over 10% because people drop off the public dole. Foreign policy continues to be a terrible issue for Barack Obama with Benghazi, with wars in Iraq and Afghanistan still continuing, even though there is a drawdown in progress, but people still seeing violence and death over there, at least when the media chooses to report on it. We get involved with Libya and then Iran is looming on the horizon as a possible threat. People are tired of that. And yet, look at it. Barack Obama still gets reelected. That tells me that history was on Mitt Romney's side, but Mitt Romney was such a bad candidate or such a mediocre candidate that people chose to go with the devil they knew. Now, I believe that the problem many people had with Mitt Romney, especially even within the Republican Party, was that his credibility was very easily assailable. He was one time a very liberal Republican while he was the governor of Massachusetts. He instituted a health care plan which was very similar is actually even more broad-based and far-reaching than the Obamacare policy that Republicans rejected flat out. So it made him appear to be a hypocrite. Now here he is running as this conservative who's going to repeal Obamacare, but in his own state, he instituted something even bigger, more powerful, more government, if you will, than the Obamacare policy. Not only that, but it seemed like Governor Romney had positions that he had taken in this campaign that contradicted ideas that he shared during the Republican primary just a year earlier. That whole parody about if you have a position, Mitt Romney has taken it at one point. It was true. People don't like a flip-flopper. Uh, John Kerry is, a, is another great example. This is a guy that seemed to have a position on everything. I voted for the $87 billion before I voted against it. The Republicans took him apart back in 2004 with that alone, and it was enough. People want you to have a position and take it. But I'll tell you this, the Republicans were not going to allow a liberal Republican agenda on this ballot. They wanted someone that was going to be way off on the right. And frankly, that wasn't Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney couldn't even sell Mitt Romney. 
So he couldn't sell the kind of extreme Republican platform and therefore people weren't buying it. He was a terrible salesman and that's why. Now look, it was close. So I don't want to make it sound like it was a runaway, but he was not a good salesman. And as a result, the country rejected Mitt Romney. Even people within his own party rejected Mitt Romney or some of them, I guess, went in, held their nose and cast their vote for Mitt Romney. Now, I think another thing that people should take away from this, not just Republicans, but everyone should understand, probably the most important point of the 2012 election is that it shows that America as a whole is experiencing a paradigm shift. We are becoming a more socially liberal nation. Whether you like it or not, that is the way this country is headed. See the results of Colorado, where they legalized marijuana. Look at Washington. Actually, two states uh, approved gay marriage, and the state of Minnesota said we are rejecting a constitutional amendment which would ban gay marriage. So this country is, is having a major shift in its ideals. And moving forward, there is no question that Republicans either need to embrace that fact, accept it, or if you want to be stubborn and ignore it and just keep on doing what you're doing, then you're going to be stuck in the mid-20th century with those ideals, with those socially conservative ideals and uh, many people, the, the Democrats, the Libertarians, the Green Party, everyone is going to be passing you by and you're going to keep losing elections and you're going to wonder how it happened. Republicans would be very well served distancing themselves from the Christian right, from the hardcore whack jobs that are way out on the far right, like the Pat Robertsons of the world and, and guys like Todd Aiken that open their mouth and say stupid things. They need to be removed from the party immediately not just denounced but you need people to just come out and say these guys have no place in the party whatsoever period to make it even simpler republicans need to ditch this ridiculous hypocrisy they have of hey we want less government except when it comes to telling you who you can sleep with who you can marry what you do to your uterus what substances you put in your body oh and while we want that less government um, we're going to go and interfere with the governments of other countries, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya. Oh, and now looks like we're going to have a war with Iran. These are the very basic things that Republicans need to do if they want to be relevant in elections to come, particularly the presidential election, because uh, you can sit there and say, well, we need to stand by our convictions and we need to stand by our conservative values you can be James Ismay all you want and try and tell us that the Republicans are the unsinkable ship. It's the unsinkable party. Uh, guess what? Uh, this election has proven it is not. It went against all of history. Never has a president, a sitting president, been reelected with economic numbers this bad, with foreign policy that is this bad. And yet, what happened? The American people said, oh, my God, I just I cannot possibly conceive of voting for Mitt Romney. And still almost half the country did just because he wasn't Barack Obama. So imagine if you actually ran a candidate out there that did some of those things that I just said. You have to be the party that gets away from the God freaks that stops meddling in the personal lives of the individual. And if you do that, if you're like the party that if you put up like one of those signs on the grand old party that says, the new GOP, now 97% God-free. I promise you, you would have won this election. This would have been a landslide. You would have gotten 375 electoral votes easily. But you see, therein lies the problem. 
Hardcore Republicans are far too stubborn to see what's happening within their party. How do you think the Tea Party movement got started in the first place? It was a bunch of people that saw the Republicans were spending too much money going against the fiscal conservative values that they were elected to do. So they get in there and they say, listen, our message is stop spending. So now the Republican Party becomes slightly fragmented into this Tea Party movement. And now you have libertarians that are a growing number. Libertarians and Republicans do have a fair bit in common. The, the primary difference, though, between the two is, number one, libertarians don't have the corporate interest as their top priority. Number two, they don't get involved in the social conservative nonsense. Libertarians are rather socially liberal, so they don't, they don't want to be involved with the hardcore Christian right crowd. But at their root, at their base, even Ronald Reagan said this, the seed of Republicans or the seed of conservatism is libertarianism. And at the end of the day, all of this fragmentation that's going on, the libertarian movement, the Tea Party, all this stuff, it definitely hurts conservatives across the country. I consider myself a fiscal conservative, but I am not going to go along with the moon bats that are in the Republican Party. And frankly, these are people that have co-opted the party, the far right, the Christian right, uh, some of these people, the Todd Akins, these are people that are anchors to the party. They are co-opting the party. And that is why from, well, 17 years ago up until now, I have never been a Republican. I will not be a Republican until, frankly, you have a major change in that party. I have no use for the social conservative nonsense that goes on in there. It is hypocritical. It is a weight and it is not the direction that the country is going in. And either you're with the way the country goes or you're not. And that's just all there is to it. You can fight it all you want. You can say, well, I don't want the legalization of marijuana. And I don't want gay people to be married. And I don't want. A you can say, I don't want, I don't want it, I want. But the fact of the matter is most of the people in the U.S. do. And you can hold on to Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia and Louisiana and Arkansas all you want. And you can cling to that Bible Belt area. But you're going to be gradually losing the rest of the country that is slowly moving the calendar forward. And that is going to ultimately be your downfall. It is time for the Republicans to wake up. I don't even know why I'm bothering to give... Uh, a lecture or trying to help out the Republicans. I know some people are probably going, Mike, why are you bothering to help these people? Because, you know, Republicans and libertarians do have at least a few things in common. The problem also is that the modern day Republican Party is bought and paid for by the corporations. And that, that goes true for the Democrat Party, too. Democrats and Republicans are essentially very similar in how they execute their strategies. They both are warmongers. They both spend ridiculous amounts of money. They both have inflated the debt. They both are leading to the devaluation of our currency. And really, they've both crippled this economy terribly with their policies and with their ideals. So uh, I am not really going to sit here and say I'm, I'm playing ball with Republicans. I'm just trying to help them out because... Obviously, they have a lot of questions. They can't figure out how it is that Mitt Romney couldn't win this election. And I'm telling you, it's as plain as the sun in the sky. All right. It is very obvious to me. It's very obvious to at least 50 eh, percent of the country. And even the Republicans that did vote or even the people, the independents, whatever, that did vote for uh, Mitt Romney. It's obvious to those people also. 
So in this post-election hangover, here I am kind of helping out Republicans. I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel kind of like the coach that is giving the pep talk to the losing team, and I'm handing you the playbook for how you can win next time. And I know some of you are going to say, well, what about the House of Representatives? The Republicans got a stronghold there. They actually strengthened their position in the House of Representatives. Well, that's fine, but I think the House is a little bit different because most congressional districts are so gerrymandered to favor one candidate or the other, one party or the other, that there's really only probably 70 swing districts across the entire country. For example, here in the state of Arizona, there are two swing districts. There's Congressional District 1 and Congressional District 9. The other ones are pretty much pretty much one way or the other. In fact, it's so much so that there's a couple of districts in this state where the Democrats didn't even put up a candidate and there's another district, uh, what is that district? I don't remember if it's four or five, where uh, Raul Grijalva is, where the, the Republicans didn't even run a candidate. One of the districts here, the, the Republicans didn't run a candidate, and the third party got 20-something percent of the vote. So that's the thing, is the House of Representatives isn't necessarily a barometer of anything in particular, aside from the fact that maybe the country is just confused. We put Barack Obama back in office, but we better put in some more Republicans. That's just how it is. It's structured very strange. The Senate went, I believe, one more Democrat. So really, the Democrats are going to continue their stronghold in the Senate. The Republicans, the House and Barack Obama for the next four years, the Democrats, at least for the next four years, the Democrats will have the White House. Barack Obama for those four and then whoever they decide to put up there after that for four more. Because I'm telling you right now, until the Republicans change things, until they get their heads out of their asses, this is going to be the trend. You're going to have Democratic presidents for quite some time. As scary as that is, as bad as that is, because you've seen what's happened over the last four years, you're going to get that for four more and then God knows how long after that. And you know what? I'm going to say the same thing now that I said back in 2008 after Obama was elected to his first term. I hope he turns it around. I really do. I hope that he's successful. I'm not going to be like some of these bloviating conservatives that get on the air and say, I hope the president fails. I hope the Democrats fail because it'll expose. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it's starting to go to the Rush Limbaugh. Because it will expose them for who they really are. I don't want that. I don't want the country to suffer. I don't want people in this nation to suffer and be unemployed and be underemployed and, and have the continued devaluation of the currency and more people die overseas in pointless wars. I don't want that to continue. I want, I want the change that Obama promised. Well, I don't want his policies necessarily, but I do want things to change. I do want things to turn around. All right. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, I don't think it's going to happen based on the last four years. I'm telling you right now, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to see more of the same disastrous policies that I predicted back in 2008. And by the way, I was criticized and much maligned for it by a lot of listeners. And it turns out um, I was right. Thanks a lot. Um, but look, um, I do want it to turn around. I wish that it would. You know what they say? You can wish in one hand and crap in the other and see which one piles up first. Nevertheless, I am hoping that things get better. And I don't really care how it gets done. I don't care who does it. I don't care what combination of the president and Congress and the Supreme Court. I don't care how it gets done. Just get, get crap turned around, man. Get our troops home. Stop with the overseas. Stop with the pointless, needless wars. Get people back to work. Get the deficit reduced. 
stop, you know, start cutting into that debt, that massive, enormous debt. Let's get this unemployment down to something reasonable back to where it was in, say, 2006 and 2007. Let me tell you something. Just as a personal anecdote, I was doing a lot better back in 2006 and 2007 than I am now. And I think most of you were probably doing a lot better back in 2006 or 2005 or, you know, sometimes six, seven, eight, nine years ago. A lot of you were doing a lot better. So it works for the country if the president and if Congress and if everybody can get it right. Knowing that I don't think Obama will get it right, I think we're going to continue with this, but I sure hope it does. All right, uh, coming up after the break, we've got the Michael Groff Show stupid news file. I've got to get you that. Um, I have a lot of other stuff I, I really want to get into. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff, the handle on Twitter. Oh, and a special message coming up for the Libertarian Party. All of that and more. Stick around. You're listening to The Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com Dearly beloved, are you Segment number two. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav show on a Wednesday, November 7th, 2012. Of course, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be Thursday or Friday because I just noticed that MichaelGraf.com is experiencing some technical difficulties. Thanks to the folks at Bluehost who are illustrious website hosts for the one and only MichaelGraf.com. All right. Contact information for the program on that note. Mike at KMGX.com. Email. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Groff related when it is working is the one and only MichaelGroff.com. While you're there, you can post your feedback on this or any other podcast of ours. Read the blog. Donate to this program. And if you can't for some reason, if the website isn't working... You can always just use Mike at KMGX.com via PayPal. That is the donation, yeah. I see that Glenn Beck was crying again, this time because of the election results. He was, I'm not going to play the entire thing because it really, it literally is like 15 minutes of him being weepy on the air again. And, I, you know, I know people are going to tune in. You listen to the podcast and you think, God, Mike, why the hell do you pick on Glenn Beck so much? 
Why do you pick on these uh, radio guys so often? It's because, quite frankly, um, it's just this phoniness that's going on. But now he's crying, I guess, over the election results. He, he goes on this uh, very lengthy tirade about how uh, it was a cold day in 1776. And, uh, and, uh, and people, you know, he's, telling, he's retelling the story of how the nation got its independence and tying that into how it is that people just couldn't seem to bring themselves to vote for Mitt Romney. And in doing so, he's talking about how in his mind's eye, he sees uh, the, one of the founding fathers in a tent uh, fighting for the... And he's like all weepy. And literally in this... I almost should play it for you, but I'm not. I'm not because it's radio death. Um, In this, he literally has like a 30-second pause to compose himself. Now, look, I, uh, as a guy that's done live radio also, um, and this podcast I I generally do live. There are a few times that there are edits here and there, but um, generally this is live to tape, as we used to say in the business where I am doing this as if it were a live show, basically. The only advantage I have is that, um, you know, I can get up in the break. I could take a five-minute or a five-hour break between segments if I wanted to. Nevertheless, as someone that's done live broadcasts before, I would never sit there and pause for 30 seconds. Even if I felt the need to compose myself, I would do something. I never weeped or, or bawled on the air either, so I don't know. Glenn Beck has done it at least four times in the last two months. What a what a phony! Uh, all the conservative shows today have been pretty hilarious that I've been tuning into because they all seem to have their their various justifications for how Mitt Romney lost or how it is that conservative candidate X in this particular district won or lost. Or and now the big talking point too is, and this is what actually is is the most frightening. Some of the hosts and callers are now saying, well, God has been taken away from us by the government. The people are starting to reject God or take God out of out of the party, out of uh, the country. And this is a frightening thing. We have to fight even harder to get God back into it so that uh, we can stop these abortions and we can stop these gay marriages from happening. These are people that are actually calling in and, and advocating that we stop people that love each other from getting married. We stop people from, we, we start to get involved in a woman's fetus. Because as a guy, of course, you have every right to tell a woman what she's able to do with her fetus. You know, listen, uh, much as you may or may not like it, gay people are going to get married. All right? People are going to get abortions. People are going to smoke marijuana. This is something you might want to get used to. It's their body. It is a victimless crime. Marijuana, victimless crime. You dummies. It's about time that the Republicans move into the 21st century. Said it last segment. I'll say it again. I'll probably say it for, well, until they move into the 21st century. And until people like Glenn Beck and his sidekicks on his show, uh, what a Pat and Stu and these other guys that are actually sitting there going, this is a, a black cloud over the party because gay people can now get married. And Republicans, uh, begrudgingly, I say that Republicans are going to have to... Uh, they're going to have to move away to get that out of their platform. Begrudgingly, you say it. You say it as if it's a bad thing that they w- we would dare allow people to get married. Oh, wait, I- I'm sorry. That's right. It's not in your little book of stories. Uh, in your book of stories, somehow you've extrapolated the fact that gay marriage is wrong, even though there's a whole bunch of parts of the Bible that contradict a whole bunch of other parts of the Bible, and then there's versions of the Bible that contradict other versions of the Bible. It's a whole thing. I mean, people, 
they'll use that Bible. You know, the Klan uses the Bible to justify their racism too, right? I'm not saying that the Bible is not a valuable piece of literature or not a valuable piece of history because it's kind of like Aesop's fables. There are a lot of good lessons in there. You know, thou shalt not kill or be neighborly to one another, you know, a share and all this kind of stuff. That's great and wonderful. But at the end of the day, it's not how a nation should be run. It should not be run based on how some dude a thousand or fifteen hundred years ago wrote a bunch of stories. And therefore, we should guide our entire culture based on what's written in there because a man in the sky told him to write it that way, uh, allegedly. And just to beat everybody to the punch, because many people may not be aware of this, no, I am not an atheist. I'm perfectly willing to accept God or whatever higher power would be out there as soon as I see sufficient evidence to support such. I am an open-minded individual when it comes to all that. So, you know, I've always considered myself definitely an agnostic. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to accept a higher power or anything, really. I'm, I'm willing to accept that Mayor McCheese created the universe if I see sufficient evidence to support such. But the First Amendment says we have freedom of religion, which means you can believe what you believe and I'll believe what I'll believe. And Congress shall make no law that establishes an official religion in this country. And as such, we can't have laws that are just uh, based on what the Christian church or the Catholic church or whatever says is okay. And as such, I don't see how it is then that you justify, well, we need to put God back in the country and how to... Look, um, that's fine. I don't have a problem with in God we trust on the currency. And I don't have a problem with the fact that many of our laws and most laws around the world are sort of based on the Judeo-Christian set of values. Yeah, thou shall not kill. Sounds reasonable to me. Thou shall not steal. Sounds fine. That's great. Don't harm other people. Good. Marriage between two individuals doesn't harm anybody, regardless of what they are. All right. If a hermaphrodite wants to marry another hermaphrodite, what the hell's the problem? If a guy wants to marry another guy, a woman wants to marry another woman, what the hell's the problem with that? If I want to sit here and shove a bunch of pills down my throat, who cares? I mean, as it is, we already uh, are allowed to uh, drink ourselves into a stupor. I could sit here and chain smoke cigarettes from now until next October and nobody is going to care because it's perfectly legal. So why is it that I can't just sit here and shove a bunch of Percocets down my throat or smoke weed? I mean, what the hell is the difference? Honestly, you're going to tell me that one is better than the other. One is superior to another. Colorado finally gets it. Washington State gets it. Washington State really made some big progress last night. Uh, they said, not only are we going to allow uh, you to smoke marijuana and we're going to tax it, but also we're going to allow gay people to be married. Good. So while I'm disappointed in President Obama and the fact that he won re-election and I would have been equally disappointed with Mitt Romney, I think that some good things, some silver lining comes out of the general black cloud. Now, I want to redirect the conversation slightly toward the Libertarian Party. And I'll underscore my comments with, I don't feel this discussion, I don't feel my ire is at all directed toward Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson is pretty much excluded from the thoughts I'm about to share with you here because I really feel that he was the best candidate that the Libertarian Party had to offer, ever. And I thought he's a great guy, he has a great record to run on, and I really do hope, even though I'm pretty sure he will not, but I really do hope that he runs again in 2016. 
That said, I feel I could not possibly be more disappointed with the way the Libertarian Party executed their election strategy this cycle. It's apparent that the brand that is Libertarian has a long way to go before it becomes the mainstream household name across the United States. Even though that if you ask most people how they feel about various issues, including the economy, how we write our budget, taxation, the debt and deficit spending, or foreign issues, such as our pointless wars and invasion of other countries, and uh, how we handle various social issues, people generally side with libertarian politics. In an overwhelming majority, 60 to 70% of the country, if you ask them how they feel about most of those issues, no, maybe not every single one of them, mind you, but many people agree with a lot of those issues. And it's evident in the fact that, again, the country is drifting socially liberal and fiscally conservative. Nevertheless, it has one major issue, and that is the stereotype that most people have about libertarians that, oh, all you libertarians are is just a party to get weed legalized. If it weren't for that, you wouldn't even exist. Su such a misnomer. It's so untrue. But unfortunately, it is the stereotype, and the Libertarian Party has done nothing to really debunk that. They really haven't made a big campaign to do that. In fact, they really haven't made a big campaign to do anything, and that is the center point of my problem. I'll make it a personal anecdote for you. So in the 9th Congressional District here in the state of Arizona, we had three choices on the ballot. You had Vernon Parker, the Republican, Kirsten Sinema, the Democrat, and Powell Gamble, the Libertarian. Now, uh, anybody, this is a little pop quiz for you folks. Who do you think I voted for in the 9th Congressional District, given those three names? And I'll even give you a little background. Vernon Parker is an African-American conservative. He has, well, he's very much a fiscal conservative who believes in, uh, you know, reducing the amount of earmarks and spending but when it comes to social issues, he's very quiet about that. Uh, in fact, he never once, I don't think, uh, as far as I know, never once invoked God or his uh, personal religious beliefs into his campaign. He made it really just about the economy. That was the center point of his campaign was about the economy. Then there is, there's Kirsten Sinema, who has been a longtime state legislator in this state. She is very liberal. And I don't throw these kinds of terms around very often. But she borders on, well, she's, I would say, an admitted socialist and actually borders right next to communist on the continuum of left to right. And I don't throw that term around very often. I don't think Obama is a, a communist or a socialist like a lot of you probably do. You know, I, I don't throw those terms around very often. But based on her policies and her wanting of redistribution of wealth and all this other uh, and, and radical tax increases and what she believes about capitalism. Uh, she is definitely way out there on the far left. And then there's Paul Gamble. I know nothing about Paul Gamble. Um, I know that uh, that's it. I, I know his name, and I know that he's a libertarian. And beyond that, I know nothing else. And you know why I know nothing else? Because the Libertarian Party didn't think it was necessary to run any advertisements, send out any mailers whatsoever, email, send out anything at all to me. And I am a registered Libertarian in a congressional district with a race going on. And, uh, and, and I'm, again, I, they, I guess they just assume that I'm going to vote for the Libertarian candidate. Here's the problem, guys. Don't assume anything. Because... I vote for the best candidate.
I don't vote straight ticket. And I think anybody that does vote straight ticket, I think you should have your voter registration card removed. Straight ticket is just, I don't know who does it. I don't know why people do it. I know a lot of people do. But uh, if you do that, you're just the worst kind of person for one. But um, don't assume that I'm going to be one of those guys that votes straight ticket libertarian. Oh, I'll vote for the third party because it's the third party because it ain't a Republican or a Democrat. Now, mind you, I generally find that the Libertarian is the better candidate, but in this case, I didn't know because I had no knowledge. Oh, and you think, well, I should do research. And I did. I tried to do research on Powell Gamble. And you know what I found? I found that the Libertarian Party website in the state of Arizona sucks. That's what I found. I found that it is the most disorganized piece of crap website with the generic talking points of the party put up there. I think that the Libertarians did a absolute crap-ass job trying to get their candidates' names put out there. And you know what? I didn't vote. I hardly voted for a single one. I voted for one for corporation commissioner and in one other race in this state. And that is it. I definitely did not. I voted for Vernon Parker in our 9th Congressional District. That's right. I voted for the Republican. And you can sit here and, and bash me all you want, but at least, at least I knew what that guy stood for, and he most closely represented my views. Now, maybe Powell Gamble is a clone of Michael Groff. Maybe he believes exactly what I believe. But then again, maybe he believes in aliens from the planet Zabus. I don't know, because the Libertarian Party didn't think it necessary to have him go door to door, to send out any information about him, to post anything on their disorganized piece of crap website, or to put out any radio or TV advertisements. In short, the Libertarian Party did very little to inform any of their constituents about the candidates they were running in congressional districts, in, uh, in, in various political offices across the state, and at the federal level. How many Gary Johnson commercials did you see or hear on television or radio? And I'll tell you how many I saw. Close your eyes and tell me what you hear. I think one night while I was tuning around the AM dial, I heard one from a station in like Oklahoma or something like that. That's about it. I might have heard one in a, on a distant frequency someplace. Maybe. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I saw really almost nothing on the net. Nothing in the social media world. Now, I am told that on, on some social media sites, there were Gary Johnson ads. Um, I've, I've had several people tell me that they've seen. I didn't see any. Now, granted, I, I've, my, I've trained my eyes so much to ignore uh, ads now on websites that maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But I did try to look for them. I sincerely did. I tried. So, and I know Gary Johnson is on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter and he's constantly posting stuff. So I know that he himself has invested his time and his money. He's gone to various places. He's done his best with the finances that he has to participate. So I am, again, excluding Gary Johnson from my ire toward the Libertarian Party. And I know that there are many people in the party that work hard to try and get the message out. But the fact that we had... Um, in this state alone, some 10,000 people or something like that write in Ron Paul instead of voting for Gary Johnson. I think that is an absolute embarrassment to the Libertarian Party. Uh, in this state, we got 1.6% of the vote for Gary Johnson. Now, I don't think those were all just Libertarians that voted for uh, Gary. I think that those were you know, probably some disgruntled uh, Republicans or Democrats or Independents. 
whatever. And I'm glad that they voted for him. And and props to you for being the 1.6% in this state. We went above the national average. And uh, that's the other point I want to make here. I predicted, well, number one, I'll fully admit I was wrong. I thought that Mitt Romney was going to win the election. I thought he'd win with 285 electoral votes and he'd get 50% of the vote approximately. Uh, I was completely backwards. As it turns out, Barack Obama got 303 electoral votes. And at least as, as what we know, I don't think Florida has still been called. And we're more, you know, 24 hours after the election, it still hasn't been called. Um, and, uh, uh, and I, I, you know, Barack Obama got 50% of the popular vote. So Gary Johnson got, I, I predicted between 25 to 2.8%. No, he got 1% nationally, or maybe it's about 1.1% now nationally. An embarrassment. Now, some would say it was the most successful candidate the Libertarian Party had in terms of sheer number of votes. Yes, he had one point, I believe it's 1.2 million votes or 1.25 million votes. Good. I'm glad. And for those of you that voted for Gary Johnson, wonderful. I'm glad that you did. And for those of you that voted third party in many states, good. We had one candidate in this state in one of the uh, congressional districts. One of the third party candidates got uh, 25 or 23 percent of the vote. Wonderful. I'm very happy about that. But the fact of the matter is, think of how much better they would have done had there actually been some advertisements, had there been more grassroots efforts. You can't tell me, well, we, we're crying poverty. We don't have the money to put out our information about our candidates. <laughs> yes, you do. Don't give me that crap. If the Tea Party movement can get going so quickly and pick up such momentum back in 2010 and they were able to get candidates into office under the Tea Party. And I know you can say, well, that's part of the Republican Party, Mike. You know, they have money. Hey, hey, listen, the Republicans ran people against Tea Party guys in the primaries. The Tea Party guys didn't all have this incredible amount of money. I know people say, well, there was a lot of money to the Tea Party. And to some extent there was because what happened was they got their message out and people went, yeah, let's stop spending. Yeah, let's let's cut back on that spending. Let's get the debt and deficit under control. Gee, that's only the same message the Libertarian Party has been putting out there for 50 friggin years. So don't even get me started on this. You can't tell me that the Libertarian Party couldn't organize a, a few more people, get a few more events going, put together some goddamn advertisements and put them on TV and radio. You cannot tell me that. And until such time as, as the Libertarian Party decides to get off their ass and start campaigning and start putting in some serious effort, I am really, I got to tell you, I'm not done. I'm not changing my registration, but I, I'm thinking about it. I really am. I'm thinking about changing to independent. I believe very strongly in most Libertarian Party politics. This state, I, I think the Libertarians are a little off the deep end. I mean, they want to repeal all federal income tax. They want us to go to some voluntary system where we just write checks to the government when we need something. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But as a whole, I believe in what the Libertarian Party represents. But don't give me this crap that... Oh, we don't have any money and we don't have the resources to, to get out there. Yeah, I know you don't have the resources of the Republicans and Democrats. They're two parties that are bought and paid for by corporations. Got it. Okay, but the Tea Party was able to get things going. Uh, we have, we have a, a, an admitted socialist 
in the friggin' Senate. That Bernie Sanders from Vermont, that guy is an admitted socialist. He runs as an independent. He gets 71% of the vote. And you can't tell me for a second that the libertarians can't get somebody up there that's got a friggin' pulse that can't get into uh, office somewhere, either on a state legislature level, a state legislative level, or a federal uh, congressional level. You cannot tell me that that is not possible. But I, I just, I, the libertarians, they just lay down and they just accept, well, we're just happy to get 3% of the vote. <laughs> it really, that's what you're going to be happy with after 40 or 50 years as a party? When uh, some grassroots movement can pop up in 2009 and get people in Congress a year later? You're serious with that? Maybe I really should reconsider my, my party status. I still believe in libertarianism. I still believe in, in the politics. But I got to tell you, I was really disappointed with the party. I only sit here and do a podcast where I... Oh, and let me tell you why I'm really disappointed. Let me tell you what the, the height of disappointment was and why I'm really considering this. I sent an email to the head of the Libertarian Party in the state of Arizona, Barry Hess, and the vice chair of the Libertarian Party. And I, I just forgot the person's name now. I, it, it'll come back to me, I don't know, probably after the show when it's not relevant. But I sent emails to these people requesting that they come on my show. I have the means to put them on the air. So I would love to have gotten them on the show and, and talk some Libertarian politics. And maybe, and I, listen, I, don't ex I would not even expect this, but if possible, maybe even get a hold of Gary Johnson and maybe we could have had him on the show to talk about you know, some stuff, just even for a few minutes. But anybody from the damn party, I sent you people emails, I sent you correspondence, I tried to call the party this morning, or this afternoon, rather, to talk to somebody about my frustration. Couldn't get a hold of anybody. Couldn't get a hold of anybody. This is really just the rock bottom for the friggin' Libertarian Party. And all of that, you combine all of that, the fact that you try to communicate, you try to get them on the air. And I know they probably think, well, they're too big for this podcast. Look at the election results. You're too big for nothing. You should have come on here. 100,000 visitors to my website. That's more people than voted for you in the entire state of Arizona. So don't give me that crap. And I would have loved to have taken out some literature and gone door to door or at least handed it out or put it someplace or... I would have called people. I would have done whatever you people would have required of me, aside from just doing this podcast, to get the word out there about libertarians. I would have gone to an event. I would have handed out some signs. would have put up some signs in my front yard, whatever. I would have been all for it. But you people couldn't even see fit to get back to me in, in any sort of correspondence. I, I really feel incredibly disappointed by this party. And you know what's really weird, too, is I have been... A registered libertarian now since 1995, since I turned 18 years of age, I have been a registered libertarian. And um, you know how much literature, how much material I've gotten from the Libertarian Party ever since? Almost nothing. I think in 17 years, I think I've gotten two things from the Arizona Libertarian Party. Do you know how many things I've gotten from Republicans and Democrats in that same time addressed to me personally? Lots. <laughs> lots and lots. I don't understand it because, well, I've, well, I do vote occasionally for Republicans and I've even voted for Democrats before, certainly. Um, I, I got to tell you, uh, by preponderance, I have voted for Libertarians and I still get nothing from the party. 
I get no information. I get no, hey, we're having a meeting here. Or we're having a, a, a fundraiser over here or we're having an event here. Nothing. I get absolutely nothing from the party in this state. Other states, completely different. Other states actually have an active libertarian party. At least other cities have an active libertarian party. This one, the used to be, it used to be, that's all you heard about. This, this state, everybody said this state was drifting toward libertarianism and eventually we would have libertarian legislatures and all that kind of stuff. Still hasn't happened. Although we do have a couple of state legislators that are basically... Well, they're rhinos. They're Republican in name only. They're basically libertarian. They're just like Ron Paul, basically. Uh, a guy that is uh, registered as a Republican, but they act as libertarian. And that's fine. And you can say that there's been some strides made here. And there have been. But I am just expressing some sincere frustration and bewilderment at the party, especially in this state, but I think nationwide to some extent as well. There's many opportunities here and they are not taking advantage of it. And I think that's just laziness. And for a party that is getting 1% of the vote in a presidential election and a party that is getting, you know, 3%, 4 5% of the vote for their various third party candidates, with a few exceptions, you can't be lazy. You have to be out there. You have to be in people's faces. You're like the small radio station that is just getting going in a market. You have to make a splash. You have to be willing to go out there, take some chances, take some risks, get your brand recognition going. And that's what a political party is. It is a brand. You have to get rid of this stereotype that people have that it's only a party about legalization of marijuana because that is such a small part of the platform that it is almost, it's, it's like an irrelevant bonus section of the party, really. If you look at how much we as libertarians want to change policy and strategy and the way that government is, it is, that is such a, a, a misnomer almost about the party that it is ridiculous. All right, well, that is my open letter or open commentary to the Libertarian Party in general, especially in the state of Arizona, excluding Gary Johnson. Love Gary Johnson. I, I will still follow you on Twitter. Although I did send a, a tweet. He did, never retweeted me or never uh, responded or whatever. Responds to everybody else. Not Michael Graff. Not the guy that's, you know, carrying the water for you on a big podcast like this. You know, not a guy. Hey, listen, uh, one tenth of of all of all the votes. I mean, I have a hundred thousand people have come to my website. That's like one tenth of the people that voted for Gary Johnson in uh, in in the entire country. So I don't know why the guy would uh, shun me, but whatever. Or the party here in the state would shun me, but hey, whatever. That's fine. That's cool. I'll still I'll still be your friend. All right. I'm still going to be here, at least for now. But I'm telling you, I really am considering changing my registration. Somebody needs to give me a good reason not to, actually. All right. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And MichaelGroff.com for everything show-related, everything that could possibly be related to me. That is, again, MichaelGroff.com. Quick break, and we'll be back after this. The Zip Code Famous. Michael Groff Show.
the stock market is too happy about Obama being reelected? Look at this. Dow Jones is down over 300 points today. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. I guess the investors were banking on the fact that Romney was going to get elected. Whoops. Welcome back. It is the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on a Wednesday, November 7th, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. Michael Graff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Graff Show on Google Talk and Michael Graff, the handle on Twitter. For everything else, it's the one and only MichaelGraff.com. At least as long as the site is actually working. We'll get that all straightened out. You'll probably hear this podcast about Thursday or Friday. I'm sorry. Bluehost is what it is. That's all I'm going to say about it. So I see the disgraceful Chris Matthews is back at it again. The alleged journalist. And the individual who every time he opens his mouth is just a complete embarrassment. Nothing but spew flies out of this man's pie hole every time he speaks. And it has nothing to do with just the fact that he's a liberal shill, but he also just has no tact, no ability to articulate himself with anything other than just complete nonsense and hate. He is such an angry guy. It's unbelievable. And yet MSNBC, who's a disgraceful network in and of themselves, continues to allow this guy on the air and just further degrade an already crap product. This is the same network that had um, a clip of Charles Krauthammer on the other day. Charles Krauthammer is a renowned, respected columnist who, by the way, oh, he's a conservative. They made fun of his handicap. Well, actually, they didn't even make fun of his handicap. Charles Krauthammer is in a wheelchair. They made fun of Charles Krauthammer because I think he has MS or something. I don't know exactly. But they made fun of his face and they made fun of, of uh, his, his handicap. Um, while he was talking the other day. And I, I just it was just very disgraceful. As a respected news organization to do that to somebody is uh, a little bit, well, um, it's not very news-like. Let's just put it that way. It's not very professional, all right? It's one thing to make jokes, and it's one thing to, to say a few, but, I mean, they said something like, hey, um, Kids, don't be afraid of this guy's face. It just always looks like that or something. We'll have to get the clip for you. But this is the kind of crap that MSNBC allows on the air. So now let's fast forward a couple of days. This is last night. Many of you probably didn't see this. But as MSNBC was wrapping up their election night coverage, Chris Matthews decides he has to get a final word in because, well, he's he just has to make sure that he lets the nation know how proud he is that they elected or re-elected Barack Obama. Here's the clip, though. The part that really is offensive and just disgraceful is at the end. Listen very carefully. Well, let me let me just close my thoughts tonight. Please. It takes a half a second. I am so proud of the country yeah. to re-elect this president and overcoming, not because of the partisanship or any of the, even the policies, just the fact, here's an African guy, African-American guy from an African unusual background. Guy. 
part immigrant background, part African-American background, with all this assault on him from day one, from Mitch McConnell, from the clowns out there that aren't elected, never will be to anything. Uh -huh. And the way he took it, as somebody said it, with coolness and charm and, and dignity and just took it and took it and kept moving forward and doing his job. And, and the American people, and I know we look at these percentages, 40% of the white vote, fine. That's about right among Democrats the last couple cycles, three cycles or four. Good work for them. Good work for him. A good day for America. I'm so glad we had that storm last week because I think oh. the storm was one of those things. No, what? politically, I should say, yeah. not in terms of hurting people. The storm brought in possibilities for good politics. I want to thank Chris Matthews. Wow. Wow. I'm so glad we had that storm last week, referring to Superstorm Sandy. Let's see. The death toll from Sandy, they're still getting bodies, by the way. The, the death toll from Sandy is now up to 112. And Chris Matthews, liberal hate monger over there at MSNBC, is sitting there telling us that he's so glad that we had that storm last week. And then even somebody on the set goes, ooh, like when he said that, like even people on the set are a little skeeved out by the comment, but I'm surprised nobody turned to him and went, are you an idiot? Do you know that they're still pulling bodies out? And by the way, they're having yet another storm over there right now. They're having a nor'easter. They're having more floodwaters pushed ashore by strong, gusty winds. They're getting snow and heavy rain. More flooding is on the way. But he's so glad that they had that storm last week that killed 112 people. And Staten Island is, there's more looting going on in like Rockaway area right now and on Staten Island than ever before. Um, it, it, is, it is a nightmare. People are waiting in gas lines for five and six hours. But he's very glad that they had that storm Politics-wise, at least. He corrects himself at the end. Uh, Politics-wise, I'm glad we had that storm. The most disgusting thing that could come out of this guy's mouth, and he says disgusting things frequently. A good day for America. I'm so glad we had that storm last week because I think oh. the storm was one of those things. No, politically, I should say, yeah. not in terms of hurting people. The storm brought in possibilities for good politics. Oh, the storm brought in possibilities for good politics. You mean the storm that Barack Obama largely ignored? He went to New Jersey for like 10 seconds. Then he went back to campaigning in Wisconsin. And the media hasn't even covered the fact that Staten Island is completely destroyed, basically. The media hasn't covered the fact that Barack Obama hasn't been back to New Jersey New York, Staten Island, any of those areas, Long Island, ever since the storm. And that FEMA ran out of water. And the fact that this thing has been handled terribly, people are still without power and people are going to continue to be without power. Of course, now they're getting another storm. So the recovery efforts, it's going to take weeks, months probably for recovery efforts to really get going. FEMA is uh, just totally dropped the ball. Everybody got on George W. Bush for the response after Katrina. And yet now, nobody, not even Mr. Chris Matthews here. He's just, oh, I'm so glad we had that storm. Oh, I want, you know, you probably wouldn't be very happy if your house got destroyed by that storm. I should play this clip for people that are sitting out there on Staten Island right now with knives sitting in what's left of their front yard, defending the few sheets of property that they have left, the few pieces of property that they, that they hold on to, uh, photo albums or something. They're just sitting there guarding the little bits of cash or the, or the few antiques or whatever that they have remaining. Maybe I should go and play this for them. You piece of garbage. Chris Matthews, you're obviously getting old and senile because you should know that storms are bad. They're not good for politics. No, they're bad not only for politics, but for lives. Who cares about politics? People are dead. Do you understand? Some people are dead. Other people's lives will never be the same again as a result of this storm. 
some people had everything destroyed by this. Go to Staten Island. I want you to go there right now. I want you to stand out there and, and, and say the same thing you just said on a national broadcast. Say to these people, hey, I'm so glad we had this storm because President Obama, is, is got, he's been reelected and he's going to come and help you. Well, he hasn't yet. And it's been like a week and a half. But, you know, sooner or later, he's going to come by and he's going to help you out. He'll do it. Don't worry about it. He'll he'll get around to it eventually. And now he's been reelected. And I, I guess, I mean, maybe, who knows? What a disgusting human being. I, I really, it's hard for me to throw those terms around just loosely. But I'll tell you, when it comes to Chris Matthews, when he says something like that, it, this is worse than the thrill going up his leg and losing any objective nature that anyone thought that he may have had as a journalist. This is just, this is horrific right here. And MSNBC should really be ashamed of themselves. Now, he later turned around and apologized for it. But by that point, I mean, what's the what's the difference? I apologize for saying something that I really felt in my heart. The only reason I'm apologizing is because somebody called me out on my BS. And so I feel that I, I need to come out and apologize on the air to some people. OK, you only apologize because a guy in a suit told you to. This is how you feel. You're clearly losing your marbles. Alzheimer's must be setting in or senility must be setting in because you've forgotten that lives are more important than your stupid politics. <sighs> you know, most of you are probably sitting there saying, why even give this guy any airtime at all? I don't know. I guess you're probably right. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Forget it. But, you know, he'll say something stupid tomorrow, Friday, next week, as he is one to do. And we'll probably be talking about it. So there you go. Chris Matthews. All right. Turning to the Michael Groff show, stupid news file. And while it is stupid news, I will caution you. This is uh, pretty serious. Also, police in Washington, D.C. arrested a suspect in two violent attacks after he gave his name and number to the second victim, according to court documents. Marco, uh, actually DeMarco Miles, 19, wrote down his name and cell phone number for a 19-year-old Howard University student after he allegedly raped her in a room at Bethune Annex, an all-women's dorm, Friday afternoon. Police tracked down the number to a 4th Street Northwest address where Miles lives with his mother and arrested him. The first attack took place in the Rhode Island Row Apartments on October 26th, in northwest Washington, D.C. The victim, a 24-year-old consultant, was working from home when she got a knock at the door about 2 p.m. by a man who said that he was promoting a party. He forced his way into the home, and then he allegedly tried to rape her. She screamed at the top of her lungs, and she fought back, and then he stabbed her 25 times. The Howard University student told police the suspect appeared in her room and made casual conversation at about 1.15 p.m. one week after the first attack. She told him to go to get out. He didn't. She began texting a friend. The suspect then uh, pulled out brass knuckles and a purple blade. He grabbed the victim's phone, texted the victim's friend, and then raped the victim. According to court documents, here's the best part. He then says to the victim after he's raped her, since you don't know me, here's my number. He tried to cross out the phone number later, according to court documents, but detectives were able to read it. So he raped a woman and then gave her his cell number. 
Well, that's why it's in the Michael Groff Show stupid news file. Stupid criminals doing stupid things. Now, for those of you that think that racism is on the decline in this country and we are moving to a more enlightened society, I hate to rain on your parade, but uh, here's some news for you out of Mississippi where students at Ole Miss University uh, apparently got involved in racial slurs, chants, and hurling epithets at one another shortly after the announcement of the re-election of Barack Obama. This is a quote from the Daily Mississippian newspaper that says, Hundreds of Ole Miss students exchanged racial epithets and violent politicized chants in response to the announcement of the re-election of President Barack Obama. What began as an argument around midnight quickly spread across campus. UPD responded to a fire alarm pulled in Brown Hall as crowds gathered near Kincannon and Stockade dorms. So this is... Uh, just once again proving that I don't think we're ever going to have racial harmony in this country. Uh, it sounds like a bunch of um, bunch of little 20-something know-nothings and teeny-something know-nothings that are brought up in a very ignorant type of background and then spread that all over the place. Indoctrination of racism. It continues unabated in the South. Congratulations. Here's another comment. This actually comes from the Ole Miss School newspaper. Uh, they say, protesting what? It's called democracy. This sounds like a bunch of immature 18-year-olds who are raised in an ignorant little bubble and are now embarrassing themselves and everyone that's else associated with Old Miss, the state of Mississippi, and the entire South. They are too naive and immature to realize how stupid they look and how embarrassing this is for all associated. They need to realize that it's 2012 and there is a lot they need to learn and understand about the world outside of the communities they grew up in, the college they go to, and the state they live in. So at least the school newspaper is not perpetuating the racism. It's just uh, a group of students, they say hundreds of students, engaged in this type of activity. That is just sickening. It really is. And again, it really does demonstrate that I don't know when it is that we're going to have racial harmony in this country. Racism is alive and well. It is one thing that we are still good at around here. Whether it's Mississippi, I realize that that's where this story came from and everyone makes the jokes and yeehaw and all that kind of stuff. But whether it's Mississippi or South Dakota or Oregon, it doesn't really matter. Racism exists in all 50 states across this country. And really, it exists around the world. Bigotry is still very much alive and well. It doesn't matter who the president is or whatever. People are going to find a reason to hate. And generally, these protests are, are going to come about. And it's, it's racially motivated. And there's no doubt about it based on what was said. Um, so just a bit of disgusting behavior from Ole Miss. Man, kind of a bummer of a final segment to the show today, don't you think? I mean, we had the despicable Chris Matthews, the disgraceful Old Miss students, and then just a really bizarre case of rape where at least the guy was stupid enough to leave his name and number with one of his victims. So while that's a very serious story, thank God that guy was at least really stupid. It's a lot of soul searching and a lot of despicable stories in this particular episode of the program. Yeah, the news can't always be good, I guess. That's what we're learning here. Man, it was a rough day. Okay, well, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. 
Groff Show on Google Talk, Michael Groff on Twitter, and for everything that's Michael Groff related, you can always go to michaelgroff.com. While you're at michaelgroff.com, you can post your feedback on this or any other broadcast of ours. Listen to these fine shows that we put up there for you. Keep uh, keep posted on whether or not, when and where and how we post a brand new show by signing up, subscribing to our site there. You just go and you hit subscribe and then you'll get an email notification when we post a brand new program. The thing is, is you do have to make sure that you whitelist michaelgroff.com in your spam filter. Otherwise... Our information, for whatever reason, goes to your spam box. I don't know why that is. We'll work on it. I don't know. Also, you can donate to our program while you're there at michaelgroff.com. Once again, michaelgroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for checking us out. Really do appreciate it. Can't do it without you. We'll see you in the, for another program here real soon later this week. Uh, I think we're going to have all the website issues taken care of, so we'll have another podcast up late in the week. Some kind of a spin on the pop chart. I don't think we're going to do the regular pop chart this week. We'll do something with it, though. Something fun. And more stuff and post-election fallout and whatever is on your mind as well. It's the one and only Michael Groff Show. Thank you so much for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night.